chapter number 1 and verse number 4. Verse number 4. Last week, we started uh, a series of messages on the early church and what the early church did uh, to, to be so powerful and to be and accomplish what they accomplished. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have money. They didn't have popularity. Uh, if anything, they didn't have nothing but grief all the time. And yet they were able to win thousands of people and kickstart the church as we know it. And they were able to do miracles to the point that people would say they turned the world upside down. Now look, that's what we need to be. Say amen. We need to be the kind of church and the kind of place that has the ability to change lives, win souls, and glorify and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, last week, we talked about their purpose. They had a purpose. They had a direction. They had a known goal they were shooting toward. They were winning sinners. They were walking with the saints, and they were worshiping the Savior. We need to have a clue about what we're here to do. Say amen. We have direction. You say, what is, our, what is our purpose? What are we here to do? I think God has clearly detailed that and outlined that. We love God, we love others, and we're serving both. Amen? That is our direction. That is our purpose. That is our goal and our destiny here at Temple, developing disciples for his glory. Well, today, I want to take the next, uh, the next message and preach on the subject, power. Power. Uh, look in verse number 4, uh, Acts chapter 1. In verse number 4, when you get there, say amen. If you don't have it or you don't have a Bible, we have it right up here on the screen. You can, you can watch there. It says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now, in the book of Luke, in the last chapter, he worded it this way. He said, Don't depart from Jerusalem till ye be endued with power. And I looked up that word in dude. It means to slip into a glove or to slip into a garment. What happens when you are endued with power? The Holy Ghost slips into your life and into your heart and into your body and gives you the ability to do what you're called to do. He said, wait for this promise. Verse number five, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, Will thou this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive what? Ye shall receive After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Preacher, what are you saying? Our goal and our mission and our destiny is not just Coleman County. It is a worldwide campaign. God wants us to win the world. Say amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your woe. Thank you for your anointing and your power, Lord. I pray that we'll be filled with that today. I pray that you'll give us the anointing we need. Lord, not because we deserve it, because I know I don't deserve it, but because I desperately need it today. I pray for the power of God to be on this message and on this service. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I know when we use the terminology worldwide campaign or, or winning the world to Christ, sometimes uh, that, that's, a, that's a pretty dramatic statement, and that is a, that is a huge uh, kind of intimidating 
task if you look at it that way and you think, well, dear God, how in the world is Temple Baptist Church going to win the world? How are we supposed, with all the billions of people in this world and all the billions of people on this planet, how are we supposed to make a difference in this world? Well, let me tell you this. By ourselves, we never will. And Jesus knew that. He knew it wasn't going to be from their ability. He knew it was not going to be from their intellect. He went and picked a bunch of ignorant and unlearned men. The Bible says that they were ignorant and unlearned, yet they took note that they had been with Jesus. So it's not about our ability. It's not about our talent level. It's not about our educational level. We have been talking for months and months about serving God, about falling into where God has gifted us and use it for his glory to touch the hearts of people. And we've, we've been going back and forth. And you know what? One of the biggest excuses or most heard excuses that I have seen is this. I don't have anything to offer. Or I don't have a gift. Or I don't have an ability. I can't speak like you. Or I can't sing like so-and-so. Or I can't do this. Or I can't do that. Well, duh. Nobody can. Nobody can. I don't have the ability to do what I'm doing right now here on my own. If I would have thought uh, 15 years ago that I would be standing here doing what I'm doing today, I would have told you you were a liar. The truth is not in you. You have no clue what you're talking about. Why am I saying this? It's not me doing it. It's not my ability. It's not my talent. It's the Holy Ghost working through an available vessel to use for his glory. And it's not about what you think you can do. Matter of fact, God will never call you to do what you can do. Because if you could do it, you could get the glory from it. God will always call you to do what's beyond your ability. So everybody will turn and say, my, my, what a God. They didn't look at the skill of David. They didn't look down there in that valley and say, boy, what a soldier. Man, what a valiant soldier. He was a lad who had a slingshot going against a man of war who was a man of war from his youth. They didn't say that. They said, whoo, what a God. And that's what it's all about. God's not turning you loose with a great commission and not going to help you. He's not going to give you a job to do and not give you the ability to do it. Are you all with me? Say amen. I want to show you two things, only two points out the whole thing. I wanted to go a couple different areas with this, and, and God wouldn't let me do none of them but this right here. I want you to see two simple points and two simple truths about the power of God. I have seen it. I have experienced it. I have felt it. I have seen God move in services and do things that seemed impossible and seemed hard to believe, but I'm telling you, it is available to every Christian. Why is everybody looking at you? Do I need a mic? We need power, don't we? Can you hear me now? All right. Hallelujah. Is that working? All right. We need to fire the sound man on my mic. Amen. All right. Take this off. Don't worry about it. Here we go. Can you hear me now? Here we go. All right. Number one, write this down. Write this down. You can and you're writing it down. Number one, I want you to see this. When it comes to the power of God, I want you to see the ability. Say that word with me. We see the the ability it creates. I went back in the Old Testament. I went back in the Old Testament and began to uh, uh, look up some of the things that men who really shouldn't have had that ability, who really shouldn't have had that power, be able to do what they were doing. And there was a man by the name of Samson. How many of y'all have heard of Samson? Raise your hand if you heard of Samson. 
How many of y'all went to, uh, 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 went to Sunday school when you was little and they had them flannel graph things? Anybody, anybody seen it? How many of y'all had a Samson flannel graph? He looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Say amen. I mean, he had lumps all over his body. Amen. I mean, muscle bound. You know, I don't believe that's what Samson looked like. I don't believe Samson was muscle bound. I don't believe Samson had that kind of ability. I believe Samson was just an ordinary person. He was an ordinary person who God touched to do extraordinary things. I want you to look at the word dunamis. The word dunamis in this word power in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive, say it with me, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That word power is the word dunamis. I said it a while ago. It's where we get our word dynamo, dynamic, dynamite. It means force. It is a supernatural force. And I'm using the word supernatural because I want you to understand it has nothing to do with natural ability. What you do for God should not be done in your natural ability. It should not be done in your natural talent. God wants you to do far and above what you think you are able to do. And God will give you a supernatural ability, a supernatural force to make it happen. It's going to be about him. It's not going to be about you. It's going to be about him. Now, Samson, I, I, I read a couple verses. Watch this. Judges 14, 5. Have you noticed how Satan has been bothering today? He don't want you to hear this. If normal, ordinary people get the truth of what I'm saying today, it will turn this church upside down. Because it will get people involved who normally ain't involved, who don't think they could be involved, and it will make you a soldier for Jesus Christ. We need to rebuke Satan right now. Amen. Get thee behind us, Satan. Let us hear the truth of God's word. Judges 14, 5. Then went Samson down, his father and his mother, to Timnath. And he came to vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Watch this, verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him, talking about the lion, as he would rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father and mother what he had done. Judges 14, 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them. 30 men. Judges 15, 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistine shouted against him. This was the enemy. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that were burnt with fire. And his bands loose from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men. With what? The power of God. The Spirit came upon him. How about David? I like David. He was a scrappy fella. 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then said David to the Philistines, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day, well, you see what ability uh, Goliath is coming with? Watch what he says. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Watch verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And y'all know what he did. He removed his head from off his shoulders. Say amen. The power of God. This was, this was an ordinary man. This was an ordinary person doing an extraordinary thing. 
somebody totally in the natural touched by God to experience the supernatural. You say, oh, that's Old Testament stuff. Well, what about Peter? You know, always putting his foot in his mouth, Peter. Always getting in trouble from the Lord, Peter. Oh, listen, the one who denied the Lord three times and went out and wept bitterly, the one who said, I'm going back fishing, I'm no good at this stuff. Have you ever felt that way? Here I am, stretched out for God. I am started out my journey for God, and it seems everything's gotten worse. It hadn't got any better. It seems like I'm no good at this stuff. Why should I even keep on doing it? It's harder than I ever imagined. I'm going to go back and do what I was comfortable with, and God hunted him down. Now, you, if you're saved, you can go back to your old way, but you ain't going to like it. You ain't going to be happy. You're not going to stay there because there's a Holy Ghost that will hunt you down like a hound. Say amen. amen. Right. Yes, he will. Hey, listen, he came and on the day of Pentecost preached with the power of God, filled with the power of God, and thousands of people trusted in Christ. Now, you know what? After they seen Peter deny him three times, after they seen Peter out on the fishing boat, I bet you wouldn't have called him to be the evangelist for the ministry meetings that day. Say amen. But see, it wasn't Peter. It was the feeling of the Holy Ghost in the life of somebody who was available. Just an ordinary, unlearned, ignorant fisherman being used for such a mighty work of God. even to the point, Brother Travis, that they would bring out people and lay in his shadows and be healed. Just an ordinary fisherman. He never went to, listen, he never went to Bible college. He never went to seminary. The only time he spent is with what he spent with Jesus. And God touched him to do supernatural things. What are you saying, preacher? That power that we're talking about, it lets ordinary people do extraordinary things. I can tell you about I can tell you about people, listen, that, that were drunks, alcoholics, who God saved and turned them into missionaries. Mel Trotter. My, my, if we had the time to talk about these different men of God who were just normal, ordinary people. Some of you think that great feats and works of God has to come from great people. <laughs> they never has been. You know why? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For there is none righteous, no, not one. I like it. I like this, this, this tourist, tourist couple came up to uh, this, this, this city, this little town out in the country, and, and these two old gentlemen was out there playing checkers on, on the front porch, and they said, was there any great men born in this, con- this, this little community? One looked at the other, said, no, just babies. Amen. Just babies. Richard, what are you saying? We all come from the same place. And if we're saved, we all got there the same way. And God wants to use all of you. And he has a power beyond your belief to offer to you if you'd be willing to take it. Kendra, did you ever think you'd be sitting up there? Never dreamed in a million years. How about y'all two? But look what God's doing. God's using some of you in the care ministry to see things you'd never dream possible that you'd ever be able to do. Why? Because that power is a supernatural force. Not only do we see a supernatural, it's supernatural in its force, but then, no, B, I want you to write this down. It is specific. It is specific in its function. Now, what does that mean? I believe with all my heart personally 
that God has a specific job and a specific calling, a specific destiny for every person. I do not believe God ever intended for Saul to go down and kill that glass. I don't. I don't believe that he had that was his destiny. I believe that was David's destiny. I, I believe that God called David to do that when he was still watching them sheep. I believe he was in preparation and training when he fought the lion and the bear. Not a preparation of physical ability or skill, but a preparation of trusting God to get the job done. Because when he came to Saul, when he came to Saul, he said, the Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the Lord delivered me out of the paw of the bear. What was his preparation? It wasn't chin-ups or push-ups. It was trusting in God when the time come to get the job done. And he said, if God got me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, God will deliver me out out the hand of this Philistine. Say amen. Now, we have a specific function. Now, where do you get this? I want you to look at a couple verses here. I, I looked up. I looked up two or three words that we're going to use. Uh, the Bible says. The Bible says uh, uh, in in Luke four eighteen, when Jesus stepped forward, Jesus stepped forward to begin his ministry. It says in Luke four eighteen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath. Come on, y'all. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What was that? Those were specific functions that Jesus had. And the Bible says God anointed him to accomplish those specific things. Now, that word anointed is the word creo. It's the Greek word creo, which means to consecrate to an office or service or to dedicate to that specific task the bible says in uh acts 10 38 how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy ghost and with power same word creo second corinthians 121 now this when it brings it to us now he which established us and with you in christ and hath anointed who us it's the same word it's the same word creo in other words god has touched you for a specific task now watch it has another one First John 2.20, we see the word unction. How many of y'all have heard somebody praying, oh, God, give them an unction from the Holy Ghost? If you've been in church any time, some of these words may not be familiar to you, but you'll hear people say, boy, he had the touch of God, or, or she was singing with a touch of God. That's what they're talking about, this word creo and the word chrisma. The word chrisma here, unction, but you have an unction from the Holy One. It's the word special endowment of the Holy Spirit. And then we use the word filled. You will find the word filled many times in the book of Acts. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake with power. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and had boldness to preach. They were filled. That's the word means plero. It's the Greek word plero, which means to furnish. To furnish. In other words, God will give you the tools to get the job done. What does that mean? How many of y'all have ever, how many of y'all have ever, how many of y'all have ever had an, an itch or a, a direction or a tug in your heart to witness to somebody. Maybe you was in a grocery store. Maybe you was at home. Maybe you was at a family reunion. Maybe you was somewhere, and boy, there was a little tug on your heart, and you were scared to death to do it. Admit it. But you know what? God will never direct you to do something without touching you and filling you and, listen, endowing you with what you need to get the job done. When God was calling me to preach, I said, oh, no, 
Oh, no, I done lived this. I've done, I've done raised up in this. I, my dad's preached my, I don't want nothing. To, I can't do that. I can't get in front of people. There ain't no way. I don't even like people. God, why would you make me do this? I can't do that. Man, I swallow my tongue. I get so nervous and I start stuttering and I can't talk and, and I can't think, how in the world am I going to do this? God said, I'll never call you to do something without giving you the ability to do it. Get out there and get the job done. Step out in faith and it'll be there when you get there. I've had people say, well, I don't have it yet. That's because you ain't out there. You don't have the ability to walk on water till you get out of the boat. Somebody say amen. Some of you need to learn to get out of the boat. There will be grace waiting on you. There will be power waiting on you. But you will not experience the power of God sitting in the boat. You've got to step out. It's there. I promise you it's there. It was there. God was in that valley before David ever made it there. I believe God was walking up, pacing up down the Goliath and saying, buddy, you've had it, son. You have it. You wait till my boy gets here. I'm, t- I'm fixing to deal with you. I- Come on, David, hurry up. I'm ready to slap him. Are y'all with me? Oh, no, it was David. It was David's uh, skill with the sling. Are you kidding me? I mean, honestly, are you kidding me? There was only one spot on Goliath's whole body that would affect him, and it just happened to be that this little young man with one of them slings like this, not one I'm talking about a sling like this, and hit that one single spot. Don't tell me that. I know you're not that ignorant. I believe God grabbed a rock in one hand, grabbed the back of Goliath. I hate this microphone. I can't even preach with this thing. Amen. Grabbed Goliath's head with one and Boom, and slammed him to the ground. The Bible said he fell forward. My brother hit me in the head one time, and I went backwards. But when he hit him with that rock, he fell forward. I believe God slammed him to the ground. God did it. David didn't. We brag about David. David didn't have nothing to do. He was just in the vicinity at the time of the action. Say amen. Why are you saying all this? Because all of us are just ordinary people. I'm no different than you. You're no different than any of them turkeys up there. We all have the opportunity to do something great for God. You just got to let him touch you. But he ain't going to touch you in the recliner. You're going to have to get out the top of the mountain and get down in the valley where the action is. You got to get out of that pew and get back there in the care room and minister to somebody. Well, I'm not going to know what to say. You won't till you get there. And then stuff will just come from nowhere. You'll be saying stuff and ministering and blessing people and you have no idea where that come from. And I'll tell you where it come from. It's that Creole. It's that endowment. It's that touch from God. Preacher, what, 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 what do we need the touch of God for? Everything that you've seen today needed the touch of God on it. Singing, preaching, praying, serving, witnessing. But you shall receive power, and then you'll be a witness unto me. Everything we do for God needs the anointing of God on it. There's people with talent. I've seen, I've seen people with talent. But you know what? I've seen people with talent I just didn't care to hear no more. 
You hear me? And then I've seen people that really didn't have it all together. I mean, everything didn't jive and everything didn't harmonize. And well, boy, they'd have tears dripping off their face. And you can tell they love God more than anything else in this world. And what they were singing was coming from the depths of their heart. And they had a little touch on it. And it made all the difference in the world. You know what our church needs? It's not more talent. It's more of his touch. There's plenty of talent here already. We're just not making it available to his touch. It's amazing what happens when he puts his touch on somebody. Say amen. Listen, it's specific in its function. God has a specific... How many of y'all believe this morning? How many of y'all believe this morning that God has a specific thing for you to do in this life, a specific purpose and destiny for you? Raise your hand. If you don't, he does. I promise you. Say, but preacher, how am I going to get it to happen? How am I going to accomplish it? You're not. He is. Church, say amen. Number two. I only have two. This is it right here. What was number one? We see the... Say it again. We see the... The ability it creates. We're talking about the power of God. Then this is real important. This came from God. Now, I want you all to understand this. This came from God. This was not something I originally planned on dealing with, but God wanted me, forced me to put this in here. We need to get this. If we don't get anything, we need to get this point. There is an atmosphere. There is an atmosphere where the power of God is conceived or an atmosphere that's conducive to the power of God. So how do you know that? God's power show up anywhere. Not necessarily. Not necessarily, because you've got to understand the power of God comes from the person of the Holy Ghost. But ye shall receive power. After that, the, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we know it is through the Holy Ghost that this power comes. Are we all agreed in that? All right, now watch this verse. The Bible says, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number uh, uh, 4 Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 29 let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers now watch this and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption 1 Thessalonians five nineteen. quench not the spirit two words we found there grieve and quench the word grieve means to make sorry to make sorry. The word quench means as if you would put out a fire. If you had a match and you, you put that match out, quench the spirit. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Our power, our power source is the Holy Ghost. The ability that we need to win sinners. The ability that we need to, to, to mend the broken. The, 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 the ability and the power we need to encourage the downtrodden and lift up the discouraged, to put marriages back together, to put homes back together, to win people to Christ and get them out of skid row. The ability and power comes from the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says we have the ability, we have the potential to quench and grieve the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? Where he is not, there will be no power. Where he is, there will be power. Oh, but we have a big crowd. That don't mean anything. Was there, was there a big crowd at the soccer game? Pretty big crowd. But that don't mean the power of God was there. 
a crowd doesn't mean anything. Now, we like them, and we want them, and we want to see that, but just because somebody has a crowd doesn't mean the power of God is there. And let me give you a newsflash. If the power of God is not there, we're not going to see any change in life. It's not about how many people we can get. It's not about how big a building we can build. It's about changed lives. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And we have to have the power of God to do that. Now, where, what atmosphere? What atmosphere is conducive to the power of God? What atmosphere concedes and, 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 and listen, brings forth the power of God? I've seen two things here that I want to share with you. A, an atmosphere of harmony. An atmosphere of harmony. There's a recurring theme. There's a recurring theme that you'll hear. Acts 1, 14. These all continue with one accord. These all continue with one accord. In prayer and supplication. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts 2.46, you find the same thing. Acts 4.24, you find the same thing. Acts 4.31, Acts 4.32, Acts 5.12, you find the same thing. People in one mind and one accord. Preacher, what are you saying? If all we do is fuss and fight in here and carry on, we'll never have the power of God on our services. We've got to be in unity. We've got to be in harmony. We've got to be together. Now, what will produce that? What will produce harmony? I've seen two things here. They were unified in purpose. They were unified in purpose. Say that with me. They were unified in purpose. In other words, they all knew what they were supposed to do. They all knew why they were there. How many of y'all have ever managed people? Anybody managed people? You were as an employer and you managed people? Raise your hand real high, real high. You, you had people under you. Isn't it very frustrating when you're trying to manage them and they don't know what they're supposed to be there for? Isn't that a frustrating thing? You come to them and you say, why didn't this get, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I didn't have a clue. I didn't, you know, I don't know why. And then you, you want to pull your hair out. But then when you set them all down, and you say, look, your job is A, B, C, and D. Your job is uh, uh, A, B, C, and D. Here, and here we go. Now, everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And they're going wide open to accomplish what their purpose is. Now, What's happening in many churches today, they have no idea what their purpose is. This one comes, and they do what they always done in their other church, and this one comes and does, does what Papa always done, and this one over here does what Papa always did, and, and that one back over there has their own agenda or has their own idea, and they wonder why nothing's happening. They wonder why nothing is getting done. They wonder why God is nowhere within 100 miles of that place because there is no purpose. There is no divine direction. God has a plan. God is not the author of confusion. He will send power where there is purpose. We need to have purpose. You say, do we? Absolutely. Ask anybody. We love God, we love others, and we're serving both. Everybody knows it from the front to the back. That's our plan. That's our goal. That's our desire. That is our process. We have set that up. We're here to love God in our worship. We're here to love each other in our small groups. We're here to serve both on our service teams. We have purpose. We know what we're here to do. We are here to develop disciples. We are here to fulfill the Great Commission. That is our purpose Get in line with the purpose God has given us. And we will have harmony and unity. 
We've got to have it. Because if we don't, there will be no power. God touched them. Look at, look, at it. look at the book of Acts. When they were in one accord, they were together. They wanted the same thing. There was unity. Well, there is nothing like discord among the brethren. And there is nothing like unity neither. When we're all here wanting to see the same thing. Church, say amen. I've been in both. I've seen both. And I guarantee you this, I'd much rather be where there's unity and harmony. Listen, not only was it an atmosphere of harmony produced by, produced by purpose. Unity was found in purpose, but not only that, but unity was found in prayer. You find them praying together a lot. So me and my wife's not getting along. How much do you pray together? Well, try it sometime. I'm not talking about you praying at 9 and she praying at 10. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you beside one, one, beside, one beside the other, praying for one another and your family. You would be at, it's hard to be mad at somebody when you're praying for them. Oh, God, deal with this woman. Hey, man, oh, Jesus. That's hard to do. Y'all with me? It's hard to be mad at your neighbor when you're really sincerely praying. Now, this is not sincerely praying. Oh, God, let them see my ways the right way. Let them see they don't have a clue what they're talking about, and I'm right. Lord, help them understand that. I mean real prayer. You know what real prayer will come from? Humility. Because when you come in God's presence, it ceases to be about you. And then it becomes all about Him. Ask Jesus and ask Paul. Jesus said, Father, I know all things are possible with Thee. Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but Thine be done. You know what will bring real harmony in this place? When we get that same attitude. Not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Lord, if you're happy, I'm happy. If you're happy, I'm happy. How's that going to come? From purpose. A real direction, a real goal, a real destiny in mind. And then us getting together, praying one for another, that what? We can accomplish that purpose. See, we all want to pray different directions. Pray for this and pray for that and pray that I get this and I, I get... What if we come together and started praying for that purpose to be accomplished? When they... You look at it. You look at it, especially in chapter 4 and chapter 5, when they were threatened, don't you preach no more, we'll throw you back in prison and we'll whoop the fire out of you. And you know what they prayed for? God, give us boldness to preach the gospel. Their prayer reflected their purpose. Church, say amen. Harmony. We see an atmosphere of harmony. Say that with me. We see an atmosphere of harmony. Say it again. We see an atmosphere of harmony. And let me tell you something. God will be ferocious in protecting that harmony. So how you know? Ask Ananias and Sapphira. That brings up the second atmosphere I've seen. Not only an atmosphere of harmony, but get this, an atmosphere of holiness. There were two people named Ananias and Sapphira in that early church. See what was happening. There were people that were being touched by God, 
and, and they went out and they had possessions and they had uh, land and, and extra houses and things that, that really they didn't need. So they would sell them and they would come and bring the offering to the disciples to go out and meet the needs of those with needs, those that were hungry, those that needed shelter, whatever the case may be. Well, in their minds, in their minds, everybody was getting glory for that. Well, we don't want to be left out. We want people to look at us like we're spiritual dude. Now, these are believers. These were believers in the assembly. And they wanted to put on a front for everybody else to see. And they went and sold the money, kept back some of it, but they wanted everybody to think they were giving it all to God. Now, here's the deal. There was nothing wrong with selling. They didn't have to sell it. They didn't have to keep it. They didn't have to give one dime. But the point was they were going in stealing glory from God. They wanted everybody else to think they were something they were not, and God killed both of them. Both of them. You say, what's that got to do with power? The Bible says right after that happened, great fear came among the whole crowd, and they began to go out and win hundreds of thousands. Many multitudes came in to the kingdom through the fear that God brought on after he dealt with them people. Now, what's the point of this? I went back in the Old Testament again and looked at Samson. The Bible says that Samson had the power of God on him. Didn't we agree with that? He fell mightily upon him. He had the touch of God on him to do incredibly supernatural things. But then I want you to see this verse, and this is a devastating verse, and I'll be done. Look what it says. It says, Judges 16, 20. This is Delilah speaking. She said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. But watch this. Read it with me. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He played games with the anointing of God. He played around with the touch of God in his life. And when the real time he really, really needed it, it was gone. You know the saddest part about that deal? It happened and he didn't even know it. There are preachers resigning today. Can't even figure out what in the world's going on. I don't know why the church ain't doing it. I don't know why. We're still doing what we've always done. That may be the problem. Have no idea that the power of God is gone. So does it work that way? How about Achan? How about a man by the name of Achan? Joshua in the nation of Israel surrounded Jericho had a great victory over a, a, a city that could not be taken physically, but God did it supernaturally. And there was one man by the name of Achan in the camp who went and took what God said not to take, who stole what God said not to take. And because of that, they went to the next city, which was a city by the name of Ai, and it was just a little old rinky-dink nothing, and they were defeated because there was sin in the camp. Watch, what, watch the way this is worded. Watch the way this is worded. Joshua chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Now watch what it says. Neither will I be with you anymore except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Do you see the key to that whole deal? It wasn't their military strategy. It wasn't their overwhelming strength. 
The reason they failed is because God was not with them. Preacher, what's the point? In everything we do here at Temple, God's got to be with us. The anointing, the touch of God. And that's not going to come from being foolish. That's going to come from walking with Him and holiness in our life. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Preacher, what are you saying? I believe we need to do everything we can to keep our walk with Christ right and holy. Church, say amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the promise of supernatural ability to accomplish